0: Welcome to the show. I'm here together on the GC booth, We're together with Josef Sabak. Absolutely. Welcome to the show. Oh, uh, Josef, can you tell us something about yourself?
1: Uh, yes, in fact, I'm a dentist and uh, my specialty is cosmetic dentistry and uh, I practice uh, in my uh, clinic in Lebanon and my uh, private practice is dedicated to restorative dentistry and endodontics and I'm also a professor at the university where I'm directing a master program in restorative dentistry so I studied in Lebanon and then I did my postgraduate studies in Belgium in the Catholic University of Louvain where I did a master's and then a PhD in biomaterials so this is like my field of expertise biomaterials and veneers, and uh, composites, and all those uh, cosmetic uh, products.
0: Yeah you just told me in the talk we've had before the podcast that you're also an addontist, which I find very interesting because you're you working with the scope as well and that you kind of told me also that you're also uh, in the non-prep veneer world which is something which I, where I don't have any experience mm-hmm. so can you kind of decide when are you in, uh, going rather non-prep and when are you going rather prepped veneer wise?
1: Absolutely it's a very interesting topic or question because first I want to make the difference between non-flat veneers as I see it when we have really no preparation done and for this we are using feldspathic ceramic and you are not talking about lumines to make things clear when I'm talking about non-flat veneers so this is really pure feldspathic ceramic that was described by Klaus Mittertis and Claude Less. so uh, I've been using this technique since plus or minus seven to eight years and it has limited indication so we need to have enough diastema or spaces spread equally between the teeth and we need to have enough clearance between the lower arch and the upper arch to avoid breakage because we know that feldspatric ceramic is less resistant than lithium desilicate otherwise my choice will go to prepare the teeth and make conventional lithium desilicate
0: veneers Does the cementation protocol, is this any different between prepped and non-prepped? The cementation protocol is a bit related to very few differences related
1: to the etching time of the ceramic. Because you know that the composition of the ceramic when it's spatic is totally different than if it's lithium desilicate. So the only difference is related to the time of etching (coughs) with fluoridric acid when preparing the veneers properly, otherwise the same protocol. So we are using etching, we are preparing the tooth in the same way and the veneers in the same way. The only thing we need, need also to be keep in mind that the non-prep veneers can be very thin and are very fragile. So when you are just manipulating those veneers and preparing them and mostly when we are placing them on the tooth to bond them with the looting resin, not, uh, we must not exert a lot of pressure, otherwise we can fracture the veneer. Okay. This is uh, the main uh,
0: guideline that we need to respect in order to achieve a good. Uh, how much thickness are we talking in the non-prep veneers? Um? It starts from point 0.2, point 0.3, point
1: 0.4 and it can go up to point, uh, 0.7, point 0.8 or even 1 millimeter if the gap or the rotation of the tooth or axis uh, needs more.
0: In terms of pre-treatment uh, on, on the tooth ser- surface, you kind of said it doesn't make any difference? No, because the tooth surface, we need to make sure that w- the, the most advised
1: preparation needs to be s- to stay within the enamel. So when we are talking about enamel, this means that we need to use phosphoric acid, concentrated about 37%, followed by rinsing, and then we apply a fifth-generation adhesive on the tooth, we uh, gently spray, the Surface and then we light cure on uh, the surface, the bonding on the two surfaces. So, those two protocols are totally similar regarding okay. prep or non bread uh,
0: veneers. Okay, because I just had a podcast with um, Vian Cardoso mm-hmm. about also cementing and looting. He basically also said that he's suggesting, when for example you're using the GP premium bond, that you light cure it before you cementing taching process because with some thicker layer adhesive some people recommended to not do the light curing they just uh, recommend to do it together with uh, luting the, uh, the luting cement because we are afraid of that the veneers might not fit
1: absolutely uh. you are totally right this mm-hmm. makes some difference between different protocols but i mean the main guidelines are the same also much will advise to place etching on the tools regarding the bonding i agree that some people I'm not recommending to light cure the bonding on the tooth. I do it but before this I spray gently so I'm thinning the layer of bonding. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is not to have any to have a good fitting of the veneer on the tooth. And this is much more important when we have a non-prep veneer because with a non-prep veneer I mean we don't have the preparation and we don't have that much dye spacer placed by the lab technician on the die. So the fitting problem is um, more important
0: I also just looked over your shoulder and saw a very nice case of veneers you had on your computer absolutely. and y- you cemented them with GSM veneer absolutely
1: <laughs> this is the last case that I did last week and uh, my friend Dirk Gall the lab uh, master technician from GC did the case this is for anterior veneers for a young patient that suffered from erosion and we prepared the teeth and we sent the impression to Dirk and Dirk uh, used lithium desilicate the new LISI from GC and since I was trying the preliminary version of this and veneer so uh, we got uh, to use it for this case and the product is really very nice, the consistency and you can see it's the cases how nice, the removing the excess was easy and the pressure when you put the veneer and then you have
0: the cement coming in a uniform way so very easy to clear and to clean. Mm. Do you have a certain protocol for removing the excess or managing the excess? Absolutely. This is a very tricky question and we see that a lot of things exist in the literature
1: and this is, we have in fact two techniques. The first one consists in removing the resin-based cement before it sets, because some people believe that it's better to take a brush and remove the excess, you know, and then make what we call tech curing. Three seconds and for some products it can take five seconds because the polymerization and the gel conversion can be different from one product on the other so when it is in gel phase we take a probe very gently and we remove the excess and then you can take floss and very gently your assistant or yourself are holding the two veneers in place and they gently get in between the interproximal space because usually this is the most tricky part where we don't want to have any cement sticking there in order to not to have any inflammation later on so once we cleared all those excess cement very gently we dry a little bit and then we give full power as we call it so we give 20 or 40 second light searing on every surface of the tooth or the veneer
0: well uh, since i'm an dentist, i don't really have uh, any experience with ceramic veneers so i'm always wondering where do you learn this important step of excess removal <laughs> or how is what's the best way to learn because i think when it comes to cementing veneers, this uh, experience can be quite important. <laughs> in fact, you know,
1: we have techniques described in the books, we have techniques described in the textbook, in the articles, and then finally you learn and you get to fine-tune your own technique and to decide the guidelines that you want to advise or teach for your student and resident and you find them more practical. Mm. This is the thing and as always say and you just mentioned the difference regarding the light cooling or not the adhesive we always find some differences between like it's like a cooking recipe Mm. we have the same ingredients the main ingredients but then you know every chef will add some uh, spices some technique of doing this some uh, overcooking or less cooking so it's just uh, but the main guidelines followed by everybody are the same you will not find any dentist that will tell you we don't need to etch the enamel surface of the tooth with phosphoric acid because up to today this is the standard so
0: Mm. it probably will stay the standard so so far do you have some hints or tips from dentists? Since there are a lot of prop- veneer cementing composites on the markets, uh, what's some points where we really have to look after or really be careful that this is inside a looting cement? You know, I'll try to summarize the main important because it's
1: a very wide topic again, the choice of the cement. And if you look a little bit on the different available kits of resin looting cement on the market from different companies, you see that the number of shades is the first variable that you observe inside a kit of looting cement. The shades can go from translucent to opaque, then A1, and sometimes you have bleach shades. So the other variable that I would advise is to look at the consistency of the cement, because now we are working on some research at my university on looking at the consistency of this looting cement, because we have a wide variation. And what I advise is the medium consistency, because if it is too flowable then you will have a lot of excess flowing and the material will be running as we say on the other side if the material is thick then we can have a problem of fitting and adaptation and you need to press a little bit more to have the veneer seated in situ and basically i think with two shades this is good and the very important thing is to look at the initial shade of the tooth where you are looting your veneers so If you feel that the tooth is a little bit yellowish and you don't want to prepare aggressively the tooth, I advise to make some bleaching before. Okay. So this allows to correct and to have a lighter shade because you know that the combination or the aesthetic result is the sum of the initial shade of the tooth combined with the thin layer of cement combined with the veneer itself. And here also the type of ceramic or the shade of the ceramic or the opacity of the ceramic that we are choosing will also play an important role in the final aesthetic outcome.
0: What's your most common shade when it comes to veneer cementation? In fact I advise two
1: techniques or two approaches where first where we don't need to do any correction Mm -hmm. so the shade of the veneer is adapted to the shades of the tooth then I advise to use translucent shade and the second situation is when we need to make some correction the stump or the tooth is a little bit yellowish or the patient is complaining of a tetracycline discoloration then we need to mask this dentin shade and to correct the shade or the hue of this tooth then we go for the bleach shade or b05 according to or the white according to the shade that the uh, system is advising for instance if we come to gsm veneers we have four shades available we have the a2 we have the the bleach shade we have the opaque and we have the translucent so the two commonly used
0: shades would be the translucent and the opaque so you mentioned that you're also part of a master's program i'm the director of the master's program absolutely yeah Can you tell us some short things about that? Where is it based? It's at the
1: Lebanese University in Beirut. So we have a part-time program where the residents are here for three days per week, and they are enrolled in this program according to exam entrance exam. And we uh, accept every year three to four candidates, and they are chosen. uh, There are some criteria to get admitted, and this is a three years program where they have endodontics as well because uh, now we merge the two departments, the endo and the restorative, so the students will follow at the same time uh, the endodontic program and the restorative program where they will, uh, this is spread through six semesters where they get all the fundamentals and basement of aesthetics, uh, color shade, composites, you know, all the field of restorative dentistry and cosmetic up to veneers, fiber post and inlay onlays, ending with some endocrines this is the borderline with Prosodontics. Oh, you crowns. love this topic I see oh, yeah. oh. this oh. is a common area for you and me I think
0: actually we have no rules in podcasting and no. you're an antidontist so <laughs> <laughs> is the endocrine still up to date because my last kind of update was that it works in molars but it doesn't work so good in premolars I think the opposite it breaks more in premolars and
1: less in uh, molars. I okay. don't know if you have a more recent literature review than uh, I. Actually,
0: have, uh, f- since for the last four years I, d- I wasn't following it at all. No, I, I thought have a recent of update. Died uh, yeah.
1: kind of, but on the molar, in fact, it, it is more stable. If you have a good retention in the access cavity, then you will have a better result because the molar is more resistant and it is more related to the anatomy of the premolar. And I think that Binds did this research. and This was published in two thousand and. 17 or 15, I think, and they showed that the upper premolars were the most fragile due to the anatomy of the root That mm-hmm. is a little bit uh, thin and then it gets narrowed So
0: the premolars are more prone to fracture than the lower premolars than the molars Interesting. Yeah, this is what And cementing is with a dual-cure cement then? Uh, Absolutely
1: dual-cure okay. cement and something that could interesting to discuss or to just remind. Basically, for looting veneers, we advise to use light cure resin cement up to 1.5 millimeter thickness okay. of the veneers. And in some cases, we can have lithium desilicate crowns, and the thickness would be 1.5 millimeters or two. And in this case, we need to use dual cure cement because the light will have some difficulties in crossing through the layer of the ceramic, mostly if we are working with medium opacity or high opacity ceramic so we need to use dual cure cement of course for inlay onlays for endocrowns we definitely go to dual cure resin cements because we don't have access for the light from everywhere so mm-hmm. that's why we need to rely on both light cure approach and dual cure approach
0: the endocrines, what material? Are, we? are they also lithium silicate, or...? We can do zirconia,
1: we can do lab composite like uh, graja indirect, so we have uh, same materials available for What's this. your favorite for the endocrine? On, uh, depending on the case, okay. I usually use zirconia like a normal crown, so I take the impression okay. exactly if it was a crown. And sometimes I use also lesium silicate if uh, we have an aesthetic uh, concern and the shade of the teeth is okay. allowing this.
0: That's the endocrines are still in the...
1: (laughs) Yes, I think they are still uh, on board. We don't have any... In fact, we need also to admit that there is what we call case selection limitation, Mm. and this applies to everything. From a simple composite, when you want to do a composite, then you need to look at the case selection indication. Is it a real case for composite or not? And The same applies for endocrine. So you need to fulfill three main criteria to have enough retention on the access cavity and to have the what I call it seat belt enough area to bond on because mm. the endocrine will stability will depend on three major things the first insertion pass where the endocrine will fit parallelly or some divergence in the axis cavity then we need to have some mechanical retention inside and then we have the chemical retention coming from the bonding and the cement that will couple both parts to the roots and the crown
0: Thank you for the update, also on the undergrounds. <laughs> this is really. P- I'll P- just stop it here because otherwise, yeah, I think <laughs> I otherwise it will yeah. be a pure endo podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for the talk. Thank you.